Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. My name is Jameer Dixon, and I'm a locating Mark Fieldman for PG&E. I protect people. I protect our community. I protect our environment. And when you call A11, I come out to your house, and I mark out our gas lines and our electric lines to make sure that you don't hit them when you're digging. A11 is at the heart of safety. I want people to know what's underneath them when they're digging. I'm passionate about it because every time I go on the street, I think about my own kids. A11 is a free service. Even if you're planning a garden, no project is too small to call A11. Together, we're building a better California. You're listening to NBC Sports Radio. Sports Radio. Weekends. This is the Two Robbies Football Show. Your number one source for Premier League football on NBC Sports Radio. Now, your hosts, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl. Welcome to the Two Robbies Football Show on NBC Sports Radio, where we get you caught up with all the action, all the big storylines on another busy day in the Premier League. I'm Robbie Earl. I've got my old mucker, Robbie Musto. He's chomping at the bit, but before I let him in here, just want to tell you about the second half of the show when we'll be joined by our old mate Stevie Bauer to discuss, amongst other things, Manchester United in the EFL Cup tomorrow, Wayne Rooney's immediate future, and what is going on at Leicester City. But we're going to kick the day off, Musty, with the league leaders Chelsea, and yet again they powered themselves to another three points, but it wasn't quite as easy as maybe the scoreline suggests. Well, I think Swansea uh, at the moment uh, are stubborn. They're well organised. They're defensively uh, strong, uh, much better than they were for the first half of the season, at least. And it wasn't always easy for Chelsea, Rob, but they always were going to go on and win the game. And I think the decision, the big story here is Cesc Fabregas. And Antonio Conte selected Cesc Fabregas to play alongside uh, uh, Conte in midfield. And it was the right call right from the start. And I, and I think it's, it's right that we talk about Cesc, Rob, mm. because it would have been very easy for Cesc Fabregas, after what he's done in the game, the clubs that he's played at, the stuff that he's won, to be miserable, sulky, um, mm. of not being in this team. And he hasn't been. He looks in great shape to me. He mm. looks lean. Um, and his performance was spectacular. There isn't many yeah. players, Rob, in the Premier League that can run a game. He, he ran no. the game today. He ran the game from all positions and getting on the ball. And he got his goal. He made, surprisingly, a lot of late runs into the box where he could have scored more goals. Um, an excellent performance from him. And just, you know, you, when you think about this Chelsea, you do think about Jose's Chelsea from two mm. years ago and, and what they did in the second half of the season. They kind of coasted it. They were very defensive-minded. Chelsea, at no point in this game were defensive-minded. They attacked from minute one all the way through. The second half was a little bit of a test because Swansea got that goal mm. uh, at the stroke of half-time. But again, Robbie Earl, very impressed with Chelsea. Whatever the, the situation, they've got the players, they've got the manager kind of intelligence to find a way through. Yeah, and I think, you know, let's hone in on, on the Cesc thing. You, you know, you brought it up because I was one of those and, and I have to say mm. I hold my hands up. I've, I've been surprised, Rob, in... Not only his attitude, his focus, his, his fitness, 
um, even his influence over the group because it was rumour. And I've seen a couple of things that I haven't particularly liked about Seth Fabregas, sometimes on the pitch, sometimes on the side of the pitch when, he, when he, he's been sub. And I've thought, not sure he'd be one of them I'd, I'd want around if things aren't going well. But I have to say, every time he comes on the game, he, he influences it. He's got a special relationship with Diego Costa where they, can, they look for each other and he finds him early. Um, he gives them another dimension. And, the, you know, at some point people are saying, well, should it be Matic, should it be Sash Fabregas? And I know you put a poll out that you're going to talk about. But at some point, Rob, it might be the three of them. I'm, I, I suggest at times you might play the three of them with, with Kante holding or, or Matic holding. And Kante and, and, and Fabregas, one who can win the ball, one who can play the ball. He might change the shape up a little bit to, to get Sask in his team. Yeah, I mean, I think he might have done that oh, maybe once or twice, mm. but that means you've yeah. got to lose like a Pedro or Willian or Hazard yeah. or whatever, and that's probably not going to happen that that often. Um, back to the poll, yeah, I did tweet out a little bit earlier, um, basically saying I thought Sess was excellent today. Who is the best choice to regularly par- partner Kante in Chelsea's central midfield? And 27% said Nemanja Matic and 73% said Cesc Fabregas. And just a couple mm-hmm. of comments as well I want to read out from a couple of guys tweeting in about it, Rob, to say, and David Alessandro tweets us to say, depends. If an uh, overmatched club that packs defence need Fabregas for creativity, against bigger clubs need Matic for defence. And I think that, mm-hmm. that tweet from David there, Rob, kind of is what the manager, yeah. uh, Antonio Conte, is thinking. Against teams that pack it in, you need that mm. creativity. And my goodness, it was on display today. Against other sides, maybe away from home, you need the power, the strength of those two players to protect the back three. So I think that's kind of the general consensus. Um, but that's a big swing. 73% are basically saying, of the, of the people that, that looked at this tweet, um, that Cesc should be the first guy who's going to play next to N'Golo Conte in midfield. If there is a bit of a weakness, Rob, and, and we're looking at signs or things that might stop Chelsea going all the way to the title, headed goals against Chelsea are becoming a little bit of an issue. And I, I heard Antonio Conte before his press conference saying that he knows Fernando Llorente is very good in the air, that they've been working on stuff in training. Yet the, the disorganisation at the free kick, the, the, the way that he was allowed a free header at that point, if this is a different team, Rob, if this is a stronger team, it could have been different for Chelsea today. Is it a bit of a worry? Remember that Spurs played a certain tactic to get people against Aspilicueta. Are people starting to try and find a way to, 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 to look at different weaknesses? I think you're stretching. I think you're stretching. I, I, I am understand. stretching, but we've got to stretch at this point. Yeah, we've got, we no, want a title race. Yeah, I know. I know we do. And um, I just don't think uh, Chelsea's defensive w- w- uh, frailties like that. And you, you, you've got a point. I mean, the set pieces, they have, it was poor today. They were scrambling around. And they never got in a, in a good position. But again, defensively, they've conceded 19 goals in 26. So it, that's generally been strong. And when you've got, and I think we should just quickly talk, talk about the other players as well that played well today, Rob. Mm. When you've got a front four, basically the, what it was today with Pedro, Azad, Costa with, with Cesc coming from midfield. Talk about players doing their jobs. Pedro was as sharp as a tack. He was very, yeah, very was quick going through. Yeah. Azad was, was the best player probably of those, certainly of those front three. Very, very good assisting, getting mm. involved. Costa gets his goal, Cesc Fabregas. So I just sat back and thought, my goodness, talk about attacking players that are, that are at the peak of their game and they're mm. doing their jobs so, so uh, impressively. Yeah, you, you can point out little defensive issues that they may have, but with those front three and Cesc as today, I'll tell you what, they're good going forward. 
Let me tell you what all good champions have, Robbie Musto, and at some point in the season, they have a bit of luck. Now, I'm, I'm going to point you to an incident that happened today where I think it's Sigurdsson goes up against Aspilicueta, mm. flicks the ball over, it catches Aspilicueta on the arm. No penalties given. A couple of minutes later, Pedro slaloms his way past a number of defenders, slams a goal that Fabianski should have done should better have for the go-ahead goal, mm. and the whole game has changed. Mm. Are they getting a bit of fortune on one or two of those kind of incidents that, that just change the bearing of games? I always say you, you earn your luck, but are Chelsea just getting one or two of the other decisions? Yeah, I think I think they earned the luck today. I think they were certainly lucky. Fabianski, I mean, that was awful. I mean, that was really bad to, 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 for Pedro's shot to sneak through his arms. He was totally over there in time, just made a very poor play on it. Um, I thought, as Pelicueta, I thought it just wasn't a handball. I, I think his arm was, it was out a little bit, but because of the distance between the ball and strike in his hand, I, I go on the side of agreeing with the referee and the officials in this one that it that it wasn't a handball but absolutely other referees could have given that but in my opinion it wasn't I just think they do force they do force the play Rob so for mm. Pedro's goal and Fabianski um, says Fabregas hit the bar I mean they got in behind many many times I just think I just I just love this Chelsea team that it's not it isn't like um, Jose's two years ago it is different and it isn't going to mm. coast and be defensively strong to win the title it's still going to be on their front foot and, and attack and that's what they did again today just looking forward, Rob, to the, I've got the next three games. They're away at West Ham. They have a huge game in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup against Manchester mm-hmm. United, and then they're away at Stoke. Does, is the Cup important to them, the FA Cup? Is, is that something that could slightly derail them? They're 11 points clear as we stand now. I know Spurs play tomorrow could go down to 10, but 11 points clear. Yeah. Are we almost talking about the title race over if, if, if this continues? Uh, of course, if it continues, Rob. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's over just yet. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, into the weekend with eight points. I mean, they look very, very strong. Of course, they're, they're massive favourites to do it. Uh, in terms of the FA Cup, go for it. Why not go for it? FA Cups are on Saturdays, Rob. I always, I so, always say. So this. does the John Terry's that? Do some of them players come back in, in for that game, not or do you, do you keep with it with, with, yeah. with the mate, your, your A team? Go for the double. Chelsea have done it before a few times mm-hmm. the double right, go for the double well, well why not you've got very few midweek mm-hmm. games I'm looking at the schedule right there's very few midweeks FA Cups are at weekends you've got, mm-hmm. you've got all week to rest prepare go for it yeah there's going to be a couple that, that maybe get a, get a game but why rotate why rest them they're absolutely flying at the moment um, you know of course the, the Manchester United game is going to be mm-hmm difficult but Huge. they can certainly beat Manchester United uh, in, in that match and uh, and go on and do really well so I, I see no reason to rotate or to, to need to prioritise at all I'm feeling your vibes Robbie Mustard yes. so that's Chelsea continuing to put pressure on the chasing pack as they've got 12 more games to clinch the season's title next we'll turn our attention to the battle at the bottom where Palace and Middlesbrough they met in what's a classic relegation six pointer we'll discuss all the drama from Sellers Park I'm Earl, he's Musto. This is the Two Robbies Football Show on NBC Sports Radio. Take NBC Sports Radio with you on the go with our app. And that's all I have to say about that. Welcome back to the Two Robbies Football Show. Now, seven points separated the bottom seven teams before the start of the day. So, there was no bigger game than at Sellers Park, where Crystal Palace faced Middlesbrough. Palace got all three points, Robbie Musto. And Middlesbrough played an unfamiliar back three and were a little bit second best for most of this game. It's got to be disappointment for you, for your old team because this was the kind of game where if they won, it was a huge boost and would have kept Palace really in the uh, in trouble. Yeah, Middlesbrough are in trouble. They're going to be in trouble this season. They're, they've they've kind of 
they haven't limped along, but they've gone along pretty steadily, drawn a lot of games. We know that they've always been competitive, Rob. They've, they've been in every single game pretty much that they've played. Uh, but at the start of the season, when we, when we talked about every club, goals or, or who's going to get the goals at this level was always a concern, and it still is right now. The January transfer window wasn't a good one for Middlesbrough. It wasn't. Patrick Bamford, that, that by the way, we, nobody knows where he is, or I don't know where he is, and, and that was decent money to bring him in. Rudy Gestead is not a Premier League-proven scorer. Um, there was talk about Snodgrass, there was talk about Boyan, there was talk about Jesse, a Spanish player that the Itokaranka tried very hard to get in. Those three players didn't come in, and now it looks a little bit desperate. And when I look at Crystal Palace and Middlesbrough in the league, Rob, 22 points yeah. each now, yeah. of course, a very similar record. But if you look at their front line with Wilfred mm, Zaha, with Bentake, yeah. with, mm. with Andros Townsend, Townsend. with Punch of Mid, they've got a lot more kind of attacking threat than Middlesbrough have, even though their mm-hmm. defensive side hasn't been as good. But now, of course, they've got Van Aanholt who scored today. They've got uh, Mamadou Sako from Liverpool on loan who, who looks strong at times today. So that, that's the concern is that a Crystal Palace, in my opinion, and of course I'm, I'm, I'm close to Middlesbrough, look a yeah. better side, look a stronger team and will we'll, uh, most likely jump over Middlesbrough. It starts to get, when you consider other teams down there, Leicester City, you know... We don't know what, how they're going to react from Ranieri going. Um, it looks, you know, it's going to be tight for Borough. Is there a case with, with Ita Karanka, Robin? You, you listen to him in, in press conferences that we get every week. You, you try and get a sense of him, uh, his team and, and how he plays and how he sets up and, and the, the systems that they use. Is there a sense that he... I don't want to be too rude, but he's almost a little bit too negative. Is he too much on the back foot? Did this team, if they're going to stay up after... Open up, go for it a little bit. I mean, you've got Adamo Traore, yeah. who everybody knows is one of the quickest players in the league. He's a powerful threat. At times, he's end product, but we don't see him till 80 minutes or in the game or whatever. Is, is there a sense that this guy is almost a little bit too negative and, and might have to take a bit of a gamble to stay in the league? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Absolutely. And I think you have to be defence first in the Premier League. I just listened to Sam Allardyce the last couple of days going on about it. Every time Mm, he gets interviewed, he... he, And he's he's right. And he's right. Mm. And it it is the case with Middlesbrough. And for the the most part, um, that's been really good. In fact, not for the most part, it has. Defensively, they've been excellent. But at some point, you've got to turn the dial. You've got to tilt. You've got to tilt the the balance of the team to be more attacking, Mm. to be more threatening, to maybe play with two players up front, maybe maybe play a a 4-2-4. Maybe, you know, there is some players there. Gasson Ramirez is an attacking-minded player. Traore, Downing maybe in midfield instead of one of those three guys in there that, that kind of run around and do a lot of defensive side. So there totally are ways of tilting the balance to be more attack-minded. And, he, he, of course, he's worried, Rob, that he's going to let the, the, the defensive side of it slacken off. And if that happens... Yeah then I understand mm. this trouble and that's not a good way to be but come on now is the time for I took to Karanka because a lot of ex-pros and analysts and the fans I, I, I read today on Twitter are starting to get fed up and they need to come out a little bit and have a go at teams they've got to score some goals yes or no answer does he stay till the end of the season Karanka or do they make a change um, I, I think he stays I think he stays I think he, up to this point, he's done a good job at the club. I think recruitment hasn't been great, but I think, you know, my message before today was, okay, 
stay calm, Middlesbrough. You know, there's there's four teams worse than you right now after 25 games. I know it looks a little bit worse after today, and I know there is a, a sense of not panic, but a little a real worry now, concern. I think it's the time to stay calm, Rob. I mean, if in two or three weeks' time, we might have a conversation on the show mm. again, and with no losses, it might be, you know what? They've got to try and jump somebody in, like that, that new manager boost to get them out of trouble. But at the moment, stay calm, trust the guy, and hope that he's going to make those tactical tweaks to be much more on the, on the attacking side. Yeah, and let's give a little bit of credit to Sam Allardyce, his first home win, only second win in, in nine games as Crystal Palace manager. Just one you felt they had to get the three points today or else things would have started to go wrong, really wrong for him at Selhurst Park. Rob, I want to move to another result today. It was at West Bromwich Albion where Bournemouth went 1-0 up, uh, an early penalty kick, ended up losing the game 2-1. If there's one team that's on the slippery slope that we always talk about, that, that, that comes into things late, Bournemouth and Eddie Howe are serious problems you know what it's it's uh, it's really funny isn't it because we, we credit and we've credited uh, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth for playing almost opposite to Ito Karanka very much on the front foot very much expansive football um, and their attacking play and their control through possession has often been good enough to win games at the moment it's not they've, they've lost the last four matches now Bournemouth 26 points is a long way from 38 40 of course would be safe uh, looking yeah. at the points this so far this season, and I've been there. I have been there in this situation where you're on a bad run. You know, like 38 points is safe. My goodness, where are we getting 12 points from? Where's the next goal coming from? Where's the next win coming from? And it's going to be a situation for him as like, do I tweak it? Do I be a little bit more like an mm. Ito Karanka and be a bit more defensive first, or do I believe in the strategy of being open and attacking? Um, it's a real test, and, and you're right. And I get a sense they're going to slide. What do you, what do you think he is going to do as a manager with the squad that he's got, the way that he's built this squad with younger mm. players? Do you think you're going to see something different tactically from him? Yeah, I do. I, I think he's a smart coach, and I think smart coaches find a way and understand. If he has to pack it in more, if he has to go a four-five-one, if he has to go three at the back with, with, with wing backs, in, a bit like Chelsea style, but play on a more defensive way. I think this guy's too smart to say we'll do it as we are. Injuries have hurt them. Lack of form, a little bit of lack of confidence. I think if they survive, and it still is an effort at this stage, he has to sit down at the end of the season and take a hard look at his squad. And you said before about this this group, they've got lots of players with what you call bright potential in future. But what about the now? What about the current? And I think he has to go and get some battle-hardened current Premier League players to add to some of the, the inexperienced players that he's got. But no, I, I think if he, if he has to change his system, if he has to change his way of playing, he'll do that. And because they're on 26 points, Rob, you, you look at the league in, in the bottom three, you're, uh, 19 points and, and 21 points. That five points is huge still at this stage of, of the season. And I just want to point you back, Rob, to, to a certain game, uh, Bournemouth at home against Arsenal, January the 3rd. They were 3-0 up and they joined that game 3-3. And there was a big debate who, who's, who's more disappointed, like Arsenal or, or Bournemouth. Since that day, they've lost 3-1 to Hull. They've drawn 2-2 with Watford. They've lost 2-0 to Palace, lost 6-3 to Everton, lost 2-0 to Manchester City, and now lost 2-1 to West Bromwich. So since that day, Rob, since been 3-0 up and not shutting the game off, we've seen something that's becoming a little bit of a trend now at Bournemouth. Yeah, and you've just gone through the score lines, Rob. There's a lot of goals against there, mm. a lot of goals against, and and it's something that he hasn't focused on in the way that they play. I mean, there has been injuries as well, Rob. I mean, Callum Wilson, um, Simon Francis, I think, is still out at the moment as well. So, so it isn't the team um, that he wants to play. I just, 
I look at some of the even the players, Brad Smith on the bench today, and, and Mousset, this the young four they bought, and they did spend a lot of money on younger players, and it worries me a little bit that that the money spent on those guys is not getting used right now. Um, but he's got to do something about it, and he's a smart guy. It's just the the big question that you're saying is he is going to. Ch- I don't think he is going to change. I think he's going to try and play his way out and get the confidence back again. Could be dangerous, um, but we will see. But uh, a fascinating story at Bournemouth developing. Yeah, and I just want to quickly mention Everton 2-0 against Sunderland. Sunderland in trouble. Everton in good form at the moment. And let's say, give a little bit of credit to West Bromwich Albion. So a fascinating struggle for the sorry seven, I'm calling them, at the wrong end of the table in the race to avoid relegation. Next, we've got a treat for you. Stevie Bauer, a.k.a. the Bauer Mound. He joins us after the break when we'll chat Leicester City and Ranieri, Manchester United and Mourinho, amongst other things. So don't you go anywhere. This is a two rubbish football show on NBC Sports Radio and we'll be back in a tick. Hey everybody, I'm Carol Amano with Parker Kligerman from NASCAR on NBC. We've got a brand new NASCAR podcast. It's called Monday Morning Donuts. Parker, what's it about? Literally everything NASCAR. But no, more importantly, we're <laughs> going to talk about the last weekend, the news of the weekend. We're going to get into some of the things I saw as a driver that you may not have seen. And of course, we're going to take fans' questions so we can answer some of those crazy burning ideas inside their minds. Everything is on the table. Not everything, but most well, things. most things. Yeah. All right. Don't miss a single episode Monday Morning Donuts. You can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you set your podcasts for automatic downloads for your Monday morning commute. Grab your coffee. We'll see you there. Well done. Well done. You survived the break. Back to the Two Robbies football show. Your number one source for Premier League football on NBC Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Two Robbies football show with our special guest, Stevie Bauer. Now, the biggest story of the week, Claudio Ranieri getting the sack at Leicester City. Musty and I had a big take on state of things at Leicester on our Thursday podcast, so make sure you download that, download that to catch our strong views. Well, Stevie, you've been over the other side of the water. You've got links into the KP Stadium. What are you hearing from over that side of the pond about Leicester and the situation with Ranieri? Well, I think to a lot of people, Robert, what it was a surprise, and... I have to say, personally, it wasn't a huge surprise in the fact that when you weigh everything up, um, I remember being commenting recently on the, on the game against Manchester United at home um, where, you know, Leicester were just inept. The total, I know they have been most of the season, but to see them live that day, I know you guys did the game. I came away from the, from the ground honestly thinking for the first time, if something isn't done with the manager, now this isn't necessarily the manager's fault, we can talk to the cows come home about whose fault it is but if something isn't done under that manager there's only one way Leicester City are going and I thought they might have done it around then then I commented on the FA Cup tie against Derby and the replay and when they did the replay they issued the public statement of unwavering support so two weeks later to sack him that's what I was surprised about that chain of events when you actually analyse where they were four or five weeks ago they were in free fall and then of course the FA Cup exit then of course the defeat to Swansea and the first half performance where they could have been four or five nil down to Sevilla this week now the, the whys and wherefores is that a whole different conversation so if you're asking me if I was surprised a little bit about the timing because of that but for whatever reason those players 
and I made the point that day about Manchester United, the starting eleven has nine Premier League title winners in it. Nine, not four, not five, not six, nine. And for whatever reason, those players were nowhere near the standards that they hit last season. I don't think any of us expected them, mm. like we've said before, to be in and around the top six or seven. Of course we didn't. But nobody expected them to be in the bottom three of the conversation today. Stevie, we we both kind of think that it, it, that he deserved a little bit more time. I, I would give him the next two home games. They've got Liverpool at home, then they've got Hull City at home. Just to give him the maximum kind of... Um, time to turn it around before if he doesn't then you bring somebody else in I'm interested in the reaction because there was a really strong reaction Robbie, I, I, I agree with you I, I think the way he's been a lot of people in the UK did way... did they the Shearers and the Linekers and that. there was a real hostile reaction I don't know whether people here are quite aware of how much of it that the, the UK pundits thought it was a disgrace to, to fire the yes, guy give us a sense of how right. strong that was very strong very strong there's people you know really really upset with the way he's been treated um, I know Robbie Earl was fortunate to have a lot of time in his company in the summer anyone who's had any time mm. with Claudio Ranieri cannot help but like the, the, the gentleman the human being that he is of course that's not a reason to keep somebody in his job but when someone's just provided a fairy tale 5,000 to 1 story I totally get what you're saying um, giving him a few games do it in a professional manner we're hearing reports of a a hotel at East Midlands Airport when they got back from Sevilla. Um, and he didn't see it coming. Those close to him tell you he didn't see it coming. He was totally and utterly caught out and shocked. The other side of the argument is, if you're in charge of Leicester City, Robbie, and they lose those two games that you're talking about, mm. then you still need to make the change and you've got six points left to play for and you've been watching those players, the way they played for that manager this season... If that's your club, if that's your business, if that's you waiting for £25 million just to stay in the Premier League, if you're looking at the current championship that seems like Nottingham Forest, that seems like Derby County, Aston Villa, Newcastle, and how hard it is to come back into the Premier League, then you may have a different view. That's me playing devil's advocate if you're the owner. That What seems strange to me is the owner the owners gave Nigel Pearson mm. a lot more time yeah. and a lot more loyalty when they were bottom of the league they were in a worse mm. position and Nigel Pearson hadn't just won the league title for them Correct. so mm. I think there's a, there's a deeper rooted problem here there's a little more panic from the owners because the riches of staying in the Premier League have never been so big and the contracts have given out the, the difficulty <laughs> in getting back is so hard Stevie, I just want to play you a fascinating interview that, that took place today. Just just a, a small segment of it, but Casper Smichel came out to face the cameras and kind of put right some of the sort of general public opinion that's out there that some of the players have almost inverted commas, stabbed the manager in the back. They, they sort of went to the owner and protested about him being in charge. Just listen to this, mate, and, and, and let me get your take on it. I, I can only say as a, as a player at this club, I have no... Or any other player has no influence on uh, on any decision like this uh, or any say of any kind. So let's be totally clear, because it is a serious accusation that you and other players have undermined the manager. If you like, stabbed him in the back for want of a, a, a better or worse expression. No, at no point have you ever said to the owners of the club, or you've been asked for your opinion with regard to his ability to manage the club. Listen, I'm as upset about these, these reports as anybody. 
um, they're, they're deeply hurtful and for, for me to read these type of things I, I, I think it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous to, to think that that uh, that any player in any squad across the country has that type of influence or power to to to, to make decisions like this I think it's absolutely ridiculous player power Stevie is that is it at play in this one I listen you can hear the the, the upset and the emotion in Casper mm. Michael's uh, voice there he's done a similar interview for the BBC as well um, and I think he's we're obviously going to take Casper Michael's word for it but I think he's also been fairly diplomatic he uses the word influence and power there very tactfully um, and what he's saying is correct of course no no player or group of players have the ultimate power to get rid of a manager however what I would say on this is all these reports of and rumours within football have been there a long time throughout this season a long time and I would say there's no smoke without fire in this situation he my understanding is, and he's kind of alluded to that in the, in the BBC interview today, is that the owners are very hands-on. When they're in the country, not only is he at the stadium on a match day, they're at the training ground in the week. And they like to interact with the players. They're on first-name terms with the players. Now, obviously, every club is running a different way, and every owner is running a different way. So the owners are in total, constant communication with the players. Um, we don't know on what subject and how close they are to certain players. So he might be, uh, quite rightly, denying, denying that there's been specific meetings. He might be, quite rightly, denying that there's influence and power. But what, what, what nobody can deny is those players throughout this season have been speaking to the owners because the owners are in and around them at the training ground and at the stadium on a match day. So how much has gone on, we don't know. But, Rob, you probably confirm that if, if, and it is a big if, if, if something more serious, those conversations have taken place, then sooner or later, at some stage, from a dressing room, they will come out by yeah. means in, in, this, in this day and age. You know what players are like, you know what agents are like. Somewhere down the line, if there is something to come out mm. of, of any influence in, in Claudio Ranieri's manoeuvre, it will come out. Yeah, I think every situation is different. Um, all I would say on this, Steve, and uh, I'm sure Robbie's got his, his take on it as well, that in 20 years as a pro involved in the game, I never was involved in, in going to a chairman. I never heard of any of the players that I play with at my club or in other clubs going to the owner or going to the chairman to, to, to basically say this guy's no good. Um, so I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if there was anything as, as strong as that, where a group have actually gone to those guys to say, you know what, what this about, guy's not doing That's right. interesting. Suddenly pulling you and Gareth Southgate mm. saying well, how things with a gaffer. Just in a that's corridor. what I was that's saying, Steve. Correct. Steve, Steve Bowen, and I'll tell you the exact situation and, and, and where I'm, I'm different from Robbie Musto. My owner at the football club, Sam Mann, pulled me during the last season that we were in the Premier League at Christmas time. I was captain of the football club. He pulled me, took me to his home and asked me what I thought about things that were going on at, at the football club. He's oh, the owner, Earl. he's a guy who pays my Terrible wages, and, and, I, and I had to have that conversation with him. Now, um, at the end of the day, nothing happened for, for a couple of months, and then eventually the, the manager lost his job, and we still went down. But it, it's, it's, that's a different situation than a group of players going to the owner and saying, Sam, a man was yeah. always around it, and he was close, and he came to me and asked me my... And he said to me, he sat me down and said, listen, you're captain of this football club, I expect you to answer responsibly and for the benefit of the club. 
now I've got to say that. And that may be the, the situation that's happened here. Well, it's interesting, Stephen. I just want to just quickly, before we take a break, move this on, because these same group of players, regardless of what they're saying and what they're doing, have got a big game against Liverpool coming up on Monday. That's huge for both these teams. Liverpool want to get in the top four. Leicester want to get out of the bottom three. Can these players just turn it around now? Is, that, is it like managers gone now, we, they flick a switch and it all, come, it all comes good? Well, we've seen that in the past in the short term, haven't we? Mm. And to be perfectly honest with you, if they were to do that, if they were to go and beat Liverpool 2-0 on Monday afternoon, then I think, personally, that this situation would look even worse. Mm. Because I, I, I think if they go out and put in a 110% gutsy, brilliant performance to beat Liverpool, that says even more about the relationship with Claudio Ranieri that we're talking about now. Yeah, I think, Steve, I'll have to agree with you. Listen, we're going to have to take a break and draw a line under the Leicester saga for today. We've managed to do a deal with your agent, mate, so we've paid him, so we've got you for the last segment. So I'm delighted to say that, you know, you're on double bubble today when we're going to talk Manchester United in the EFL Cup against Southampton and whatever else is going on at Manchester United without blowing Stevie Bowers trumpet. There's not much that goes on at Old Trafford without his knowledge. We're the two Robbies with Stevie Bauer, and this is NBC Sports Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Two Robbies Football Show. We've got our mate Stevie Bauer with us. And Stevie Bauer, if anybody didn't know, used to work at Manchester United at Old Trafford, so knows exactly what's going on at the football club. Steve, I want to start our final segment. Quick chat about Manchester United. The EFL Cup tomorrow against Southampton. An important trophy for Jose Mourinho in his first season. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's proved that in the past. Uh, His first season in England uh, with Chelsea, won the League Cup. It's incredible, really, that no Manchester United manager has um, has won a trophy in their first season in charge at the club, and he, he likes all that kind of mm. you know breaking new ground. And I think it would um, ease a little bit of pressure, not an awful lot, but a little bit if he could get that. I think the fact that they got a nasty draw in terms of travel uh, in the Europa League against Krasnodar um, has affected that. And in between that, they've got an FA Cup quarter final away at Chelsea, which looks a a difficult tie. So suddenly, I think um, the, the cup final against Southampton will, will probably take on even more importance in terms of getting their hands on that silverware and getting one in the bag. Do you think, Stevie, looking at his season, uh, his first season there on a whole, that if they win the League Cup tomorrow, um, of course they can still go a long way in the Europa League and finish outside the top four, will the club feel that that's okay. I mean, I know it's not okay not to finish in the Champions League spots, but if they win a League Cup and there's a sense that it's going in the right direction, is that going to be satisfactory enough for the ownership and the, the fans, basically, for Mourinho's first season? The League Cup would help, but it, I don't need to tell you, it is all about the top four. I mean, I think Champions League was his remit. Um, you know, financially, the club is huge. Again, record turnovers announced in the last couple of weeks, but that Champions League money, Champions League prestige, and attracting players. Let's not make no bones about it, even though it's Manchester United. There was some suggestion in the, in the English press today, for example, and I don't think there's any truth in this, from my understanding, by the way, but this is the type of story that you can read, that Stefan Ibrahimovic has a, an option, obviously, to stay a second year. Uh, he hasn't yet officially, um, publicly taken up that option yet because he's waiting to see if there's Champions League football on offer. Now, my understanding is it doesn't matter whether they're in the top four or not that he's going to stay for another year. But that's the type of example I'm talking about of, of top four. But you're right. If they can get a trophy in, in the cabinet, 
Uh, I know it's not the most important one, but it's, it's still a trophy. They've won a lot as a club. And as I say, he could be the first manager to win a silverware. If he could do that and the top four, I think it would be a great success. And I think you know nobody would, would blink an eye. Uh, but the, the top four and Champions League football is so, so important for a club like Manchester United. Steve, just just tell us a little bit about the influence of Ibra, not just on the pitch, because we've seen the quality in the goals, but you get a sense that this is a bit more about him around the football club itself. Yeah, definitely. He's a huge personality. I was lucky enough to have a half-hour sit-down interview with him earlier in the season. He's a super guy. Um, he's not fazed by anything with the clubs that he's played at during his career. It was a burning ambition of his to come to England. I was also very lucky to have an hour in Paul Pogba's company uh, three or four weeks ago. And those two have got a great relationship on and off the pitch. And I was chatting to him about that. And he was saying, listen, Blatan, he called him the godfather, actually, uh, in the dressing room. He feels he's been even more important off the pitch than he has on it. And he's, he has been important on it because there were plenty of doubts really whether he'd score goals in England. He's already passed the 20-goal mark. He has his own personal physio that was part of his deal. Um, he's super fit. But the way he treats and deals with the younger players, Pogba included, um, the coaching staff feel he's had a very positive effect on Marcus Rashford that perhaps isn't being seen by everybody at the moment. But in a year, 18 months, two years' time, they will get the benefit of Marcus or Marcus Rashford will as well, of being in and around uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Extremely popular figure as a person in that dressing room, which was important uh, after the Louis van Gaal era. Um, and perhaps the fact that Wayne Rooney hasn't been around uh, on the pitch as much as, as previous seasons. So he's a big character, big influence, and uh, as I say, I, my understanding is he'll be there next season as well. Do you think, just very quickly, Pogba, just one word answer, are the, are the club happy with his development at the moment? Yes. Great. Stevie Bauer, always a pleasure, mate. <laughs> and forget Zlatan and Pogba. You've had half an hour with the two Robbies. Make sure you tell your friends about that when you go back. I'll be telling day... Paul Pogba and Zlatan. But there you go. Exactly. There you go, mate. On a day when Chelsea power to another victory to leave them 11 points at the top of the table. Remember, for more debate, discussion and often disagreement, make sure you subscribe to iTunes to download the Two Robbies podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. The ratings help increase our ranking and visibility, which allows more football fans to discover this show. Yeah, always good to get Steve Barrow on our show. Thanks for everybody else as well for tuning into the show. More Premier League next weekend, so we'll be back same time, same place to chat about all the biggest stories in and around this league. So until then, it's good night from me. And good night from him. Good night. Good night. Want to earn extra cash for the holidays? Amazon Flex is expanding in the San Francisco Bay Area. Opportunities in Richmond, Oakland, and Daly City. Earn around $20 to $27 an hour delivering packages with Amazon. All you need is a car, a smartphone, and some free time. This is a great opportunity to be your own boss, deliver when you want, and make extra money. With Amazon Flex, you'll have flexible hours and great earnings. To get started, download the app at flex.amazon.com. That's F-L-E-X amazon.com. You must be at least 21 years old. Limited opportunities available. Get started at flex.amazon.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.